Well, what do you know? It is that time again. What time is that? It is time for Rob's observations. I am Rob Liefeld. This is yet another installment of the long-running Rob observations podcast. Um, not sure about the long-running part, but uh, look, happy that you guys are here today to uh, talk comic books, pop culture, all the stuff that we normally jam to. This is going to be a really fun episode. I cannot believe I am going to say the words ElfQuest on this podcast um, and, 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 and add to our exploration of sword and sorcery and fantasy comics. And really, for me, the most significant independent comic uh, that I encountered in my youth. Again, if we're going along the journey, I've stayed so far uh, just focused on my Marvel DC journey. And they were a big part. They were a big part of everything that I consumed and everything that kind of made me and all of my, uh, my, my, my obsessions. But along the way, there was a huge pivot. Uh, and that is to this uh, publication, this epic story called ElfQuest. And we're going to get to that in a minute. First, in the hot topics. Man, I, I debated doing an entire show on this because, man, it is getting crazier and crazier. And and what is getting crazier and crazier, what I'm speaking of, is the absolute amount of disinformation about pretty much everything that is out there uh, in the interwebs. And And I'm not here to condemn it. I'm here to give you some some, uh, some safeguards, some, uh, uh, basically some, some tips, uh, a handbook of sorts to detecting what is absolutely just the biggest pile of BS that is, that is piling up, uh, on the internet in, as, as these people are desperate for hits and clicks. Let me, let me, let me take you back a few months to a signing that I was doing because I'm going to, I'm always going to give you my, my most personal interaction with this and, and then kind of uh, fold it into everything that I'm, you know, interacting with. Like so many of us, look, I'm on my social media a lot, but you know, who's on it almost as much as I am. And don't tell her, she doesn't really listen to the show, so she'll never know. But my wife is on social media a lot, like a lot. And, and that means Twitter. And that means, you know, Facebook. She She's a little on Instagram. Uh, neither of us are TikTok people or the Snapchat or any of that stuff. We we, we really kind of do the three, the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. But but my wife is reading all the time. It's, it's her breaking news, you know, uh, a storm, a hurricane, an earthquake, you know, all, all, you know, especially with COVID. Maybe COVID drove everybody more to Twitter for news breaks than ever before, but you know, she is, um, we're we're both on it a lot. Okay. She's on it. If not more than me, equal, equal to me. And so we come across a lot of stuff and and there's always probably a couple times a day, some BS nonsense that gets floated that I am then asked, you know, to comment on because she believes that maybe I'll have a a greater barometer on this, especially when it falls into the pop culture movie TV arena. Well, I'm going to go back to that that is the most personal when it when it's my family talking to me about it and that's where I'm always going to see it through the lens of how I'm experiencing it but I'm out there doing some of these um store signings that I I've, I've done I've, I think I did about 6 or 7 of them this year um once things got safer around March I I went out vaccines were available I figured I'd um I'd do some limited uh uh 
you know, signings. And it's always great to interact with the public. That's the one thing I miss the most is the interaction with the public. And because um, you can just tell by people's faces, their expressions, their eyes, what they dig, what they like, what they don't like. And uh, I always enjoy interacting with you guys. It's, it's a rich experience. I take each one of our interactions um, back with us. Um, every handshake, every photo. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've got a pretty decent memory. I, 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 it carries with me. And uh, on this particular afternoon, uh, this gentleman who had been next in line came up and uh, this was one of the, this was the early, so in March, uh, this was, this, this would be March or April, early April. And I was still doing things here in Southern California from a uh, more of a social distance. There's a great setup that I was doing them at the Torpedo Comics in Orange, where it's almost like a private doctor's office with like a doctor's window and uh, in their back room. And, and we've done a couple signings this way where people came through the window and gave the stuff through the window. And um, my, my, the people who are helping me out would hand me the books, but I'm, I'm literally about six feet from your face and we're talking. Okay. And that's, that's the way that the store wanted to do it. I, I thought it was a great way to make it happen. I mean, these signings went on for six hours. They were very successful. So it wasn't like it, it as I'm telling you, it kind of sounds like a drag, but um, it, it, it was more, um, more enjoyable than, I, than I'm, you know, showcasing here. It was um, again, maybe five feet from the window. So, so not, you know, not too, too far, but a guy comes up, hands his books through, I'm signing them, we're chatting. And, uh, and then he says to me, Hey, congratulations on Jim Carrey being the villain in, uh, in Deadpool three. I just want to congratulate you on that. I looked up, I said, but that's not true. And he says, no, 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 I read, I read it. I said, I said, I understand you read it. I, I read that too on that errant site that I'm not going to give, you know, any traction to. Um, I said, but uh, that's not true. And then he said, yeah, yeah, but, but, but I read it. So, so c- congratulations <laughs> you guys. This is, this is word for word, exactly how this went down. And then I literally, I just go, I signed his books and, and I handed him back and I said, Hey, I just want to let you know that, that Jim Carrey thing, that's not true. And he goes, well, I want it to be true. So, Hey, take care. I, I want it to be true. Take care Liefeld. And I said, wow, I want it to be true. I want it to be true that that was, uh, you know, those words still ring with me and it's like, wow. And here's the deal. Those websites, they know this now. Now I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go back two years, uh, 2019, October, 2019. So we are literally almost exactly at the two year mark. A rumor site had put out something that I also wanted to be true. And it, pertained to Deadpool, which is going to be obvious when I tell you how this turns out. And I thought about it and I went, you know, this, this sounds so feasible to me and maybe, maybe this hasn't made its way to me yet. So I'm just going to retweet it. It feels, it feels fun. I'm going to retweet it. And, uh, I had pulled up to where I was going and I had now entered into where I was going and I had probably, I had tweeted it maybe two and a half minutes had passed and I got a text. I got a message and it's from my good friend, Mr. Ryan Reynolds, who said, what are you doing? That's that, that's that news is not credible. And he said that the next time that site is right about something will be the first time that site has ever been on anything. And I laughed and I realized, you know, I played into my own, you know, uh, my, my, my own, 
desire to want something to be true. So I had hit that retweet button and, uh, and, and Mr. Deadpool himself, Mr. Reynolds alerted me like, that's not true. And also that, and, and, and I laughed and that site, you know, like you said, the next time that site is right, will be the first time that site has ever been right. So I deleted it immediately and moved on. And so maybe three, three and a half minutes, I had supported that errant announcement and we were moving on, but it was a good reminder because I was caught up in the fever. I was caught up in the fever. Oh man, I wanted it to be so true, so bad. And then this dude, uh, and you're like, well, how do you know this other thing? Well, so there are some things that I do know for a fact and, and you have to have a finished script and you have to have characters that are going to be cast in order to make sure that there is a, you know, casting like this. Now, could it be in the future that this entire thing becomes a thing? It, very, very slim to none. But you guys know that these sites, they, they trade on your desire to have news every single day. And they literally are making stuff up. So much so that some of the other sites are now discrediting the really, I'll call them reckless sites. The reckless sites, websites, URLs that, that want to deceive you and want to feed off your desire. Going to go back to that guy, but that's not true. Well, I want it to be true. I want it to be true. <laughs> I remember going, wow. I, I was congratulated on Jim Carrey being in Deadpool 3, which I, I'm, I know for a fact the screenplay wasn't even a quarter of the way complete for Deadpool 3 at that time. And so I did have some knowledge and uh, was being congratulated on something that did not exist. I alerted this person that it did not exist and was told, yeah, it doesn't matter. I, A, I read it online, so it has some credibility. And B, I, I, I want it to be true. So therefore, I'm, I'm going to... And it was so... He was so giddy. Yeah, but I want it to be true. I didn't give it the upbeat feels. It wasn't bitter. It was, yeah, but I want it to be true. So I get it. I get it. Look, I just told you. Uh, about a year and a half prior to that, I retweeted something that was semi-irresponsible. And uh, it, it it was more, it didn't pertain to actors. Every time I, every time I say pertain, I, I think of uh, Beverly Hills Cop, uh, the, the the guy who played Balky Eyes uh, is on Perfect Strangers. His 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 name escapes me, but he says, "What does this pertaining pertaining to to Eddie Murphy?" Oh my gosh! So I when I use pertain, that's that's a funny word. Um. So, so mine was about pertaining to a character, but, uh, and I shouldn't have retweeted it. I was glad that I was told to, that that was not true. And so I re removed it. But every day you guys are deluged, deluged with castings, ideas, concepts, um, threads that are, uh, that are not, that are not true and they're errant. Now, let me tell you how it works. I'm going to give you, I'm going to peel behind the curtain. Some of us in the business, no directors and writers who are working on this stuff. And occasionally we will, um, be given, uh, news, uh, of things that are actually in the works that are happening, that are going down. There are Marvel movies I know about that I cannot speak of. There are Star Wars films with, uh, yes, I said films with, uh, elements that I cannot speak of. And they are currently in the works they're moving pieces. Uh, there, there were in the last year, DC films. Again, because first of all, I live in Southern California. I've lived here my whole life. I have a bunch of friends who have 
um, been put in, in seats of power at, you name it, you name the studio, I know somebody there. Paramount, Disney, Fox, Apple, Netflix, Hulu. I mean, you know, I'll stop there. It's, it's, it's more than that. But most people are like me and you hear the chatter and you hear the gossip. And yet you know that if you are caught sharing in some of that privilege, I'll call it privileged information, you're going to get shut out. You may in fact be punished. Um, and by punished, for me, it may mean I lose that friendship, I lose that relationship. That's not worth it to me. Uh, for some of the people out there, the more responsible guys who run the responsible sites, and there are responsible sites, they're getting few and fewer because some of these new sites have grabbed your attentions by being as irresponsible as they possibly can. And by being as irresponsible as they possibly can, they're tickling your ears with stuff that is um, just the stuff of fantasy, just to get you to um, tune in. Um, the, the latest, I mean, I think last week I read 15 new uh, 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 ideas. What, what do we call them? Um, I'll, I'll call them fantasies that, 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 uh, that once again, I will use the word pertain, that pertains to uh, to Spider-Man, No Way Home, and the uh, Doctor Strange Into the Mouth of Madness. Again, they're the two, you know, kind of, we, we believe, multiverse type films that are coming out. And uh, I mean, I, every day after that trailer broke and, and did big numbers and, and, and thrilled all of us, uh, and it was spectacular and it was great to see Tom Holland as Spider-Man again and Zendaya and everybody and, and, and uh, you know, Mr. Cumberbatch is is Dr. Strange. It was great. Uh, but people immediately started isolating and throwing up all manner of speculation. Not you, the fan. We love to speculate. That's what chat rooms were born on. Speculation and, and criticism and, you know, some modulation, very little praise. It's, it's mostly tearing people down and, and guessing what's next because we love what's next more than anything. We can never be satisfied with what we're given. It always has to be, okay, that's cool. What's next? Uh, I just digested my last, you know, piece of lunch, and now all I'm thinking about is dinner. That's how it comes off. And uh, and and we are just, we want to also be ahead of every conversation. We want to be in every conversation so that we don't want to miss out on any iota of information, which is why you get a, hey, Jim Carrey's going to be a bad guy in a movie that hasn't even been written yet. Hey, Mr. Liefeld, congratulations. But that's not true, but I want it to be true. Okay. So... So I want it to be true as the driving force behind so much right now. And some of these newer sites have rocketed uh, because they know that they can tickle your ears all day with stuff. And I read so much stuff about No Way Home and Mouth of Madness. If, if, if I'm, I'm probably butchering that Doctor Strange 2. I'm just going to stick with Doctor Strange 2. Reading stuff about the speculation. Oh, it's going to have McAvoy. It's going to have Hugh Jackman. It's going to have the X-Men. It's going to have Deadpool. It's going to have, you know, it's going to be the first glimpse of this and that and the other thing. And no one knows. No one knows. They're pretty good. They have that stuff on lockdown. Really good lockdown. And very few slivers have ever made it out correctly. Very few. So many. So few. And some of these sites want to remind you of the one time they got it right, even though they didn't, but they're going to claim they did. So be, be careful. A lot of that stuff is just there. Are you disappointed? If if you buy into all of that at some point, does it does it does it um, feed disappointment, or are you just con are you just content to entertain every single errant idea 
and I mean, and if you don't think these people are sitting around going, okay, what do people want to see? Let's see. What do people, you know, okay, you know what? Let's follow that thread. Let's put that out there. Let's, let's, let's fish. And, and by clicking on it and by giving them clicks, you are keeping them in business. And that's fine. You know what? I grew up uh, with, with the Star Magazine and the, uh, what is it? The National Enquirer and, you know, reading all about the monsters and aliens and ghosts that were visiting people and celebrities and, you know, the little boy, <laughs> you know, aliens talk to boy all night. Um, so, so this is part of the culture. I get it. It's, 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 it's what it is, but I'm just giving you, um, s- some very, most of the time stop think if it sounds too good to be true, it most likely is. And think about all of the, I have a star Wars, uh, poster in my John. Okay. In my John adjacent to my office. And it is of the 2015, uh, 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 Star Wars, uh, whatever we called that movie, the, the, the one that introduced us to Ray. Okay. So, uh, and I was the other day reading the logo, re- reading all the credits. And I was shocked to see how some of these names were ahead of some of these other names in terms of credits built on the poster. But do you remember so much speculation, um, after, after that, um, Force, is it, was it Force Awakens? Force Awakens. It's, on, it's in my John. How am I not? Because I, I don't really read the title. I just look at the cool. It's, it's a Mondo. It's a Mondo Star Wars poster. It's cool looking. I love to look at it. And, and I've been looking at it now for, good God, six, seven years. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been there a long time. But I was looking at some of the different credits and how they were stacked and who got third billing over fourth billing over fifth. But some of the some of the speculation around each of those characters, do you remember how insanely wrong most of those theories were? But they they drive traffic and they're there to titillate and to tickle your brain. And uh, just be careful. Just if it's too good to be true, it most likely is. And if it's coming directly from the studio, that is the most likely source for you to confirm. Otherwise, you're just... Um, you're being teased a lot, and 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 again, you know, you're going to be that guy that congratulates me on Jim Carrey. Now watch Jim Carrey's in Deadpool three, and I'm gonna, you know, I'll I'll boot it up. I'll come back on the mic. I'll even look for that guy, and we'll podcast together, and I'll give him the apology of his life. But it's not happening. So anyway, uh, at least not yet, and and not last March it wasn't. But uh, so there you go. So some of the just just just. Proceed with caution. If it is too good to be true, it is. And and some of these sites now I see discussed on Facebook and people are like, oh my gosh, they're onto it. Th- th- nothing on that site is ever true or nothing on that site is ever true. And like I said, some of these other sites, um, you know, uh, th- th- they, they, they are onto it and they're not giving these errant, let's call them errant, irresponsible, reckless sites any play any further because they know how completely irresponsible it is. And, and look, the responsible sites, they want clicks too. They, they they just work harder to earn it. They're going to do junkets and interviews and, and get you to click on actual footage with reporters and journalists that they hire talking to these, um, the, to the talent and the directors and breaking things down. And I mean, everybody and their mother, you know, does a, uh, does a YouTube now. I mean, good God, we see a trailer. And you know that in 10 minutes, and some of these people, they their superpower is editing. They have superpower, they have super editing powers. Because I am, I cannot believe, and you can say, but they got it an hour earlier. In some cases, they got it 10 minutes earlier. So 
If it's up 15 minutes later, they still, if they did that in 25 minutes to a half hour, that is some super duper editing. Now, again, you go, Rob, what do you know about all this? Look, especially in between Deadpool 1 and 2, um, I was in the middle of all the information uh, of, of, uh, of, of, of what was going on. Uh, Fox had really come to value my input, my relationship with them. I was brought into marketing meetings. I was brought into uh, to, to just screen different aspects of the film. I was um, sent trailers that you saw for Deadpool 2, sometimes two days in advance. Sometimes, like, I'd get, for instance, remember the infamous Bob Ross, uh, 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 where, where Deadpool was doing the Bob Ross riff, um, and it was uh, it was for the basically a teaser. It gave you maybe, maybe 60 seconds of, of footage once it started rolling, but the marketing people at Fox, uh, really wonderful people, they had sent it to me, like, the on a Friday and it wasn't going to go up for a Tuesday and it was watermarked and it was, you know, given all the cautionary, like, don't let this, you know, there was ways to track it. I don't know if, if you guys remember before Wolverine origins came out a good month before it came out, they released the film. The film was pirated. So Wolverine origins was pirated and released and everybody was watching it. And, uh, I watched it. I watched it for free <clears throat> But I knew that I was going to go see it at the theater three or four times, which I did. And trust me, I paid for my entire family to go because, remember, it was the appearance, first appearance of Deadpool and Wade Wilson. So I remember I took my entire family. So opening night, I bought five, six tickets. But I did. My buddy and Marat and I, we opened up our computer and we watched Wolverine Origins. We watched a pirated uh, uh, production knowing that I'm going to make up for this by, by you know buying the actual tickets. But... They said that they would find the woman who did this. And I know it's a woman because they eventually arrested her. And it took about three months. But it was in the paper that the FBI showed up at her door and uh, followed that signal. And and so I knew, the reason I'm telling you this, Fox told me, Rob, our guys are good. Um, that's why you're never going to find out who leaked that Deadpool footage. Because <laughs> uh, Fox already knows. But they're not going to take action because it turned into a billion-dollar leak. That, that leak you know, convince them to move forward on a movie that they budgeted at $56 million that ended up making um, $800 million per film, okay? So uh, so that leak was one of the most beneficial leaks of all time. Do they know who leaked it? They absolutely know who leaked it. They found the woman who uploaded the Wolverine Origins film from some server and then sent the signal all around the globe. I'm sure she bounced that off of every satellite, every router that she possibly could, but with their help, and Fox had told me, Rob, we have great people. We can find you if you, even with the, this watermark. If it, so I would be terrified. Whenever they sent me anything on my email, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go to jail. I, I can't let my kids know I have this. I don't want them to, to share this. I don't want this to be leaked. I don't want to violate and, and, and suddenly be the guy that's going to get that door knock someday. So, so I have been on the side of keeping things super secret and not and not telling people that you know that a year before that they're going to kill X-Force jumping out of the plane in Deadpool 2 and um, and you can't say anything about it and you have to just smile and and, and when, when people from Marvel Comics who had not yet, because as part of Disney they had bought, you know, they had bought uh, Fox and were acquiring Deadpool during this time but you can't tell the people at Marvel who are congratulating you that Shatterstar is in the film, you can't tell them that Shatterstar is in the film for 30 seconds before he is, you know, completely destroyed, killed, cut up by helicopter choppers, wings. Um, whew. 
blades. So, uh, so I, I had to keep that to myself. So I know um, I have been the guy who keeps the secrets and I know the, the penalty for leaking that stuff. And I also know, again, like I said, that Wolverine uh, Origins leak, which they believe cost them $200 million, bottom line, because there were a lot of people who only watched it on their computer and did not, because it was a pretty complete, I mean, maybe a few, a very few special effects were, were missing from that, um, that cut, that assembly of footage that they put online when it leaked. But, um, but like I said, that door knock came, that woman got arrested and she got, did time penalties, all of it. So again, there, there is a, there's a time and a place, but people know in this business, people trade some, some of these guys who do get these trailers. Sometimes they get them 25 minutes in advance. Sometimes they get them a half hour on the occasion. They get them the night before and they're told sit on this and release it tomorrow. And they're being watched. Obviously the responsible ones are being watched and they know it and they know the penalty of breaking that, which means that, you know, in some instances, like let's say you were going to completely piss Warner Brothers off, which sometimes I do because I have no intention of doing any business with Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers doesn't need anything that I have. They can't even tap into, um, I mean, again, it's like they have this entire drawer, just so you know, of DC Comics characters, but they can't seem to get beyond the Gotham section. They just bite off the Batman stuff again and again and again. And if you've watched Titans season three, you can tell it's now a Batman show called Titans. But that is, I digress, that is a subject for another time. So be careful. I know what I'm talking about. Um, the, 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 there's an honor among thieves, but some of these, uh, these thieves that I'm speaking of, these people who, who just lie to you on a daily basis on their sites and are just sitting around going, let's see what would get the most clicks. Let's see. Is it, is it something with venom, something with Deadpool, something with Wolverine, something with mutants in the MCU? You know, it's, it's, if it's too good to be true, come on. It is. So caution, beware. All right. So here's the deal. Fantasy, sword and sorcery, we did an entire episode about the birth of Conan, how how they didn't even think they could get Conan, how Stanley didn't want Conan, how then Stanley didn't want anybody good doing Conan because he thought that would take away resources from the all-important superhero comic books. But by the time Conan did explode under the pen of Barry Windsor Smith, all called Barry Smith back at the time, later John Buscema, it became a giant franchise for them, fueling multiple titles. And again, Savage Sword of Conan, Conan, Conan the King, also spinning off Red Sonja and Cull. At one point, the sword and sorcery arm of Marvel was giving you six to seven magazines, comics a month. Uh, Conan was in issues of What If. Okay, Red Sonja was teaming up with Spider-Man in the pages of Marvel Team-Up. Over at DC Comics, they had Claw the Unconquered, okay? Um, they were doing. They were pre- preparing a King Arthur comic book that, that that fell as a result of the implosion that we covered on an entire episode called the DC Comics Implosion. But in the first part of our Sword and Sorcery fantasy series, we really walked you through the birth of it in the modern comic book world, in the Bronze Age of comics. And Conan became a force, uh, uh, the third bestseller, sometimes the second bestseller, m- maybe the second bestselling family of books for Marvel during that period. And, you know, eventually, again, DC, uh, you know, jumped in on some of that and, and everyone started cashing in and looking for the next big fantasy thing. Uh, there was Tor, there was Claw, um, there was Beowulf was a comic, there was Stalker. Uh, they, they did a lot of sword and sorcery. They really tried to um, go to that well as, as often as possible. But eventually it died down. Superheroes kind of took their place. Conan was the tried and true, the winner. And it would be a little while until we got further fantasy sword and sorcery masterpieces. But one of them that I have come here to praise 
absolute heap every amount of praise that I can is a franchise called ElfQuest. And I have never mentioned it before because I am so fearful that no, none of you know what I'm talking about. But I, I have decided today to courageously embrace. I have every single um, issue of ElfQuest that, that I purchased as a kid. And, 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 in, and in recent years, going back to 2014, I was in Houston. I was in a comic store. They had a bundle of 10 of the original ElfQuest. And I'm like, oh, I could use more of those. And they were pretty affordable price. I purchased them. They're magazine size. They're very noticeable. Um, they are not a comic book size. But uh, a couple of years back, over at uh, what would become Torpedo Comics, it was Big Red Comics, they got an entire collection of 1 through 21. I bought those. I'm like, I'm going to keep buying them. These comics brought me so much happiness, so much joy. What is ElfQuest? ElfQuest is the product of Richard and Wendy Peeney. Really, honestly, Wendy Peeney. She is the mastermind, the talent behind all of this. I encountered these books in late 1979 upon visiting my very first comic store and seeing issues one and two on the magazine rack. And issue one and issue two have these beautiful... Um, well, issue one has a painting. And again, I'm a, I'm, I'm a savage... You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a fantasy guy. Like, like I love fantasy films... And right around this time, 1979, 1980, is when we see the proliferation of fantasy in in, in the uh, in the film, you know, uh, in, in movies as well. You, you got, uh, you know, help me out here. You got Krull, you got uh, Dragon Slayer, you got Beastmaster, you got Sword and the Sorcerer, you got the Arnold Conan movies. I mean, we suddenly were, um, oh, come on, man, and Beastmaster. I should do a whole podcast on Mark Singer and Beastmaster. What a... Oh my gosh, I must have watched that movie 100 times when it came on HBO. But, uh, and Sword and the Sorcerer 2 with Lee Horsley. Um, so, so fantasy was really starting to take hold, but ElfQuest, they had issues one and two in. And I grabbed them. I'd never seen this before. They were, and the magazine size really benefited it, really helped it pop out from the stands. And it has this beautiful, I don't have ElfQuest, the first, first edition, but the first, the Warp Graphics, number one, this is a first printing, and it's from 1978. Warp Graphics, cool name, right? It stands for Wendy and Richard Peeney. Warp, Wendy and Richard Peeney. Warp Graphics. ElfQuest. I got this badass elf on a wolf battling off these um, look like cavemen on the cover. I mean, to my eyes to this day, they I would say they look like cave warriors, Cro-Magnon guys. And, uh, and there's another elf riding down on a wolf. They are, in fact, wolf riders. And the star of ElfQuest is an elf called Cutter. C-U-T-T-R. C-U-T-T-E-R, Cutter. And Cutter and his wolf riders are the basis of this entire fantasy epic. It it the entire the entirety of the Elf Quest saga is focused on Cutter and his tribe. The Wolf Riders, their loves, their adventure, their 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 quest. And uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, upon cracking, because I got one and two at the same time, issue two has Cutter on his wolf. Again, chasing the love of his life, Lita, L-E-E-T-A-H. Again, these are put out in 1978. It was published three times a year. And they tell you that in the very first letter column. We're going to give this to you three times a year. Wendy and Richard Richard Peeney, and they, they say, here, I'm going to read their, their uh, preface here on the in, inside front cover of issue one. It says, here we are for the first time, again, behind this beautiful painted cover with Cutter on his wolf battling 
um, three of these kind of Cro-Magnon looking savage warriors, uh, long hair, just, just little itty bitty loincloths, um, you know, body paint and his buddy is, is coming down the hill alongside of him. And, uh, immediately I jump in and it's this 32 page. Every issue was black and white. Every issue was a black and white comic book. Mostly the stories were in the 28 to 30 page range. Wendy Peeney, I just got to say before I read this, extremely accomplished illustrator. The minute I see this work, it is fully realized the style of this world is unique to her style. She is um, intricate detail with, with, with her, she's a great storyteller. She, she's penciling and inking and writing along with her husband, Richard, this saga, but she is the force. She is the illustrative force and comics are about pictures and these visuals are stunning. And the minute that I encountered the likes of uh, Cutter and Skywise and Tree Stump and Lita and One Eye and Red Lance and Nightfall and Rain Song and Scouter and Clearbook and Strongbro and Dewshine and Pike and Dart and New Star, the minute I encountered them, I thought each of these character designs is perfect. Cutter is just a great looking visual. The minute you see him, and again, I go back to Boba Fett, Darth Vader, great designs that we see that we love. Boom, boom. The minute I saw Cutter, I thought he is a one in a million design. Um, same exact with his best friend Skywise and Lita and, and all the names I just read out to you. Cool names, right? Cutter, Skywise, Tree Stump, Strongbow, Scouter, Clearbook, Red Lance, Nightfall. These are amazing characters and amazing character designs. She paints um, every cover, which are spectacular. She has a real eye for for color and eye-popping cover, not dreary-like cover, really pop, great, rich color palette with this stuff. Elf Quest number one, inside Elf Quest number one, it was a buck 25, magazine size, black and white, every issue that I, every issue in this original series. And, and Elf Quest goes on to have tons of success. Marvel will license these books and reprint them starting in 1985. I'm about this original journey that 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 goes from 1978 to 1984. Three times a year, three issues a, a year, without fail, ElfQuest. Inside issue number one, here we are for the first time again. To those of you who are seeing this initial chapter in the ElfQuest of Cutter and his Wolf Riders, for the very first time, welcome. To those of you who have a copy of the original edition of this issue and who also bought this one as well, our heartfelt thanks and hopes that you'll enjoy the changes and the additions that we've made. This seems like the place, uh, this seems like the place for a small reminiscence. It's been a little over a year since ElfQuest first appeared in early March 1978. That edition, which we've taken to calling the little number one because of its size, because it was not comic book size and it was not magazine size, was done by another publisher. When our copies arrived in the mail, we were both thrilled because the book was finally, after a long generation, gestation, a reality, and disappointed because the quality was much less than we had been led to believe. We were worried, but it was your enthusiastic response to that very first ElfQuest, even with all its faults, that gave us the much-needed courage to pull away from our ex-publisher and give us and give it a go ourselves. Thus was born Warp Graphics. Warp is us, Wendy and Richard Peeney. Warp. Two people who share a two-crowded apartment with elves, wolves, trolls, and lots of drawing paper. Every four months, if everything goes the way it should, a new issue of ElfQuest will go to the printer and from there to your hands. 
We do all the work right here from taking care of subscriptions to trying to keep up with all of your letters. If you send a stamp with your comments, we guarantee a reply. Otherwise, help. This issue is different from the little number one in a number of ways. It's bigger, has two brand new painted colored covers, four new pages of behind the scenes taken from a large pile of sketches and scribbles, and the story itself, uh, and the story art itself that has been gone over to make it, we think, even better than it was. We hope that you enjoy this. Okay, this had me at hello. These two people are talking to me. They say they have an apartment. My dream is to be a comic book guy. I always do this with you guys. In 1979, okay, I am 12, uh, possibly 13 at the time. I picked this. Whatever the year is, I turn later in the year in October is my birthday, so possibly I was 13. Um, but I got both of these within the same issue two the guy told me had just come out. And that's why he marked them together. And issue two was also um, also arrived in in 1978. So I mean, I I, I am definitely in in 1979 when I'm buying these. I am um, or it went to the printer in 1978. That's when the indicia is there. But uh, these books were purchased in in my 12, 13 year old range. I have dreams of being a comic book artist, and here I am being told by the people behind this comic that this is a husband and wife team. They are doing this out of their apartment. They're sending it to the printer themselves. It's so non-corporate and it's so enticing and it's so exciting and it it literally set off every sort of like dopamine, you know, pleasure center I could have imagined in regards to this is what is possible. I loved the painted covers. On the back is another painted cover of the star cutter with a wolf um, kind of menacingly behind him. Ah, oh, cutter is just such a great every design, all of these designs are fantastic. This looked from its inception like this was conceived as an animated show, an animated feature, and that there was multiple turnarounds and that this was drawn from multiple character sheets. That's how good that I believed, and I still do, Wendy Peeney's work was and is on this initial, these 20 issues. I could not believe, and again, she's the, the most dynamic female artist I've discovered and am following. And this relationship goes on for me for the next six years until 1984 because I never miss an issue. They tell you every issue. They say issues come out February. Uh, um, what, what is it right here? It, it, it's, it's, they had it and they never, ever missed it. It was very um, clockwork three times a year, uh, February, June. Um, you know, th this, 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 this book was just... I knew there was a, a nice, healthy weight, February, June, October, a nice, a nice, healthy weight between every issue, but it didn't matter. Again, like I said, magazine size to the very end, sometimes like the last issue uh, that wrapped up the quest issue 20, which was not the last issue, the second to last issue, issue 20, 40 pages of brilliant art. Wendy Peeney had a very established look. She just came out of nowhere. And for me, I had never heard of her, but I'm looking at this polished, um, fantasy adventure, so it's it's tickling my, you know, something other than X Men, Spider Man, Batman, Justice League, Avengers. Um, it's it's uh, it's it's I mean, riding wolves. I mean, the open the opening of Elf Quest number one is uh, Cutter and um, and and he he activates his tribe through the sending. I believe it's called the sending, if memory serves, and it's the way the elves can basically are mentally. Uh, connected telepathically but if you're the the signal is weaker the further you are away, away but one of his members of his tribe is about to be sacrificed by these man warriors 
Um, and, uh, and, and he summons his tribe to save his friend who's about to be, you know, basically burned at the stake. It, he and Skywise are in the bushes. They're watching this. This is how it opens. And it's like he, uh, co- you know, contacts the other members of his tribe, summoning them to, to attempt to uh, help him out as they seize and get back their friend. And uh, it's very exciting. It draws you in immediately. And then you, as they return and they hang out with the rest of the tribe, you, you are exposed to all of the other players in the saga, including these hysterical um, trolls. And Picknose is this um, king troll. And the minute I read, this is issue one. Picknose. And he's, he's dramatically different looking than the elves, which again have this dedicated model sheet. Because, I mean, every frame... They just look so established, like like Cutter and ElfQuest have been around forever, except this is Wendy Peeney's very specific vision, very realized style, very polished inking. Um, uh, uh, she, she's great with textures, multiple textures every issue, very confident with the brush and pen and quill, and a great storyteller. And so um, issue one is kind of a, a, a you know, um, you know the, 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 the cave closes in... Uh, behind them and now they are they they, they are uh their their journey is ahead of them the tribe and we are off and running and i never missed an issue and i loved all of it and it it truly uh every issue had an individual back cover of lita of bear claw of joy leaf of uh i'm looking at all of them right now of woodlock and rain song and shenson and ryak and uh i mean this series is very uh a very complicated uh, uh, saga of Cutter and his tribe and all the various different personalities and the quest that they are on. And it is wrapped up in issue 20. And they take you through this entire story and it's got trolls and elves and men and sorcerers and witches and 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 uh, and wolves. And uh, and you learn all about the different ways that, that, that elves communicate uh, amongst each other and, and, and they're really good at always kind of answering your questions and talking to the fans. And, and, uh, matter of fact, the thing that I, uh, as I was preparing for this and grabbed all my original copies, I was just tickled because their letters page will show you exactly how, um, how truly, uh, you know, effective their reach was. Mark Evanier was an established writer. I've mentioned him before. He, he came up as Jack Kirby's assistant. He was writing DNA Agents, Crossfire, other books for, for Eclipse Comics. He was working in the animation field, and he writes. He's the first letter. You know, Dear Wendy and Richard, thank you for your copies of ElfQuest. I have absolutely <laughs> no suggestions regarding the story or art. They are splendid. My only teensy suggestion is in embarking on the second issue, I found it difficult to instantly recall who was who and to get quickly into the story. Perhaps a who's who page on the inside front cover would be, you know, uh, uh, something that you could do. Well, guess what? It, they, they took Mark's suggestion and the opening of, uh, of issue three, the opening of, of issue um, three, as they, they've got his letter in the back, there is the who's who. There it is. It's got Cutter and Skywise and Nightfall and Redlands, and it tells you each Cutter is the chief of the Wolf Riders, a forest-dwelling band of elves who've been forced to leave the woodlands for the desert. 
He is a primal elf. He has been known to slash now and think later, but only when provoked. Again, Cutter is the badass warrior lead of this entire saga. His closet, his closest friend and confidant is Skywise, keeper of the lodestone and a consummate filch. Skywise is the world's first astronomer elf. Tree Stump is Cutter's uncle, a stout fellow, and his daughter's and his daughter, Cutter's cousin, is the gaming Dushine. Dushine occupies the center of attention of Scouter, who's the son of One-Eye and Clearbrook. Red Lance and Nightfall are the old marrieds of the tribe. Rain Song and Woodlock are something of a prolific phenomenon, having produced two offspring, New Star and Wing, in a world where elf children are extremely rare. Rounding off the family groups are Strongbow, his mate Moonshade, Moonshade and Inquisitive Little Dart. And then, last but certainly not least, there's Pike, Bless him, keeper of the dream berries. Pike is not burdened with a vast intellect, but sometimes he sees right to the heart of things. We love them all. This was perfect. Mark wrote them, suggested this after reading the first two, and they have enacted in the on the inside front cover of issue three. Every sing, she has a drawing of every single character and the descriptions that I just read to you. And then boom, you are off to the races because they are all gathered on the first page, as they are, um, you know being welcomed into sorrow's end. The names, the concepts, the visuals of ElfQuest are fantastic. Sorrow's end, the lodestone, the sending, um, uh, your soul name. I mean, ElfQuest to me is a winner through and through and through. And over the years, I am shocked. I know there have been several times that, that the peenies themselves would, would write in the in in the magazine about the opportunities, the entertainment opportunities that were being um, afforded to them as people were were drawn to 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 this um, to, as they were drawn to ElfQuest and people tried to option it, make cartoons. Nothing ever um, came of that as yet. And again, that's not that's not a barometer. You know, ElfQuest goes way beyond these original twenty issues that ended in nineteen eighty four when she you know very proudly said, "We've done it." I mean, here it is. Issue 20 in 1984. 40-page, uh, again, magazine size, black and white, brilliant art. Um, here we are, it says. This is the hardest editorial to write because for a while anyway, it will be the last. There's so much to say in so little space, but there is one thing that will not go unsaid. We did it. Eight years and uncounted joys and sorrows later, we can finally look back and say, we started this together, we finished it together. ElfQuest was not the first graphic novel. And I count nothing in that term that amounts essentially to no more than a big fat comic book story to appear or to con conclude. But it was the first to successfully break into the mass market, leading the way for other comic book projects to follow up in stores like B. Dalton and Walden Books. And on top of that, it is in bulk the work of one person, one head, hand, and heart. I hope that my admiration and respect for this work and its maker will be mirrored by the rest of the world. This one is for you, Wendy. This is Richard Peeney writing about the brilliance of his wife at this point. Uh, from Wendy herself, for 20 years, I mean, for 20 issues, for 20 issues I've had these front pages to use as a forum for whatever felt right to say. A few days ago, as I write this, um, uh, Wendy asked for a page for herself to pen an open letter to all of you on the completion of her own quest. So when you finish the story, take a look and turn to page 41 and listen to her, okay? So uh, then it talks about the fan club, it says that they're going to have an issue 21. Um, it is, it is, you know, this indeed issue 20 that you hold in your hand does wrap up the quest, but there's one more issue in the works. See the letter column for more. But 
Again, every issue they would write to you, Richard and Wendy would write to you in the beginning of this book, and they would tell you about their plans and how excited they were in regards to um, the book that they were bringing, the attention that it was gaining, um, how they eventually, uh, Wendy herself, would start collecting eight issues at a time or every story arc, and she painted them, and they started releasing them as uh, trade paperbacks that were colored. And again, like I said, Marvel would later license this and start it all over again from issue number one with new pages to bridge because Marvel was held by a 22-page per issue standard, not the 30-plus pages that they were used to giving you. So it, everything had to be broken up differently. But I was so happy for them when this first, you know, went down the pike. And uh, so in issue four, Bill Mantlo, who had written The Micronauts and written a years-spanning uh, uh, authorship of the Hulk series through the 80s. I mean, I think he did it six, seven years, maybe longer. Rom, another huge property for Marvel that he wrote. Um, Bill wrote all manner of, uh, of, of hit comic books for Marvel Comics. Well, he has a letter in issue four. Dear Wendy, I've just finished reading ElfQuest 2 and 3, and I wish to thank you for this truly beautiful experience. The delicacy of your touch in both writing and art is magical to behold. I can honestly say that you've greatly rerouted my thinking about comics into the many varied directions of, that a graphic story can take. I feel you too have expanded some of the limits of the medium, while at the same time returning some of the fantasy I felt when, as a child, I came across the Amerindian, the Amerindian novels of Andre Norton, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, The Weird Stone of Bringsman, and naturally, J.R.R. Tolkien. So, Bill Mantlo is a fan. And he is writing to them in 1980 and having his letter printed. But I got to, I got to, I got to, it doesn't start there. There's another um, letter that gave me a giant kick. Um, and uh, let me see if I can uh, locate it in the back here. Um, because it's just, like I said, it was just every, going back through these and seeing the fan base, the, the, the sheer fans that they had amassed along the way as, as, as they were collecting uh, a ton of favor. I mean, again, Oh, of course, it was a big deal. When you come out only three times a year, uh, your fan base is is most definitely going to um, is is going to 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 be excited, be thrilled, because you're only getting it three times a year. You're basically getting ninety pages a year. So, in regards to like the the the, the fan following of of Elfquest, it, it was severe. When I would go to different comic book stores. And I would go to different conventions along the way. ElfQuest, these issues were always so noticeable behind the walls. Again, because they're magazine size. And they were up on the back walls. Because, again, uh, I was fortunate enough that I got issue one and two when I did. Because by two years later, the the, the fandom... And they mention in here that they are now up to 30,000 copies. Early on, early on, like in the like issue six or something, they mention how they've gone to 30,000 30, copies in 1980... For a dollar twenty-five comic, is they are doing, they are doing very, very well for themselves. Here's a letter, issue five, from a writer you may have heard of. His name's Kurt Busick. He writes in the back of the letters page. He's Kurt is not a published writer yet. Kurt is this is Kurt the fan. Um, I'm gonna read you other letters along the way. I mean, I've read you Bill Mantlo, I've read you Mark Evanier, but Kurt Busick is not working in comics yet, but he is a giant fan. He says, ElfQuest is amazing. That is his first statement. It's been likened to Tolkien, I know. And some wise Mantlo mentioned C.S. Lewis, far more appropriate in my eyes. But for me, ElfQuest brings to mind the name of, Jim's, of James Thurber. Thurber's fantasy is so rich in humanity, 
in an epic sense, fit ElfQuest wonderfully because they are both so comfortable to experience. Of course, the fact that I grew up on Lauren Bacall's rendition of The Thirteen Clocks may have influenced me. In any case, ElfQuest is the stuff of which comfortable evenings are made, snuggling warm by the roaring fire while the winds whip snow by the living room windows. Very poetic letter from Mr. Kurt Busick. Um, again, there is a, if, if, if I locate it, there's a letter in here from Marv Wolfman, who is extremely excited to be um, experiencing um, ElfQuest. The adventures of Cutter, the Wolf Riders, the tribe, Skywise, their adventures, all the different people they meet. I do not want to blow it as I look through um, these comics, but again, uh, all of these different characters. Uh, and, and there's a great humor. Her, She is like a great animator because of the body language, the gestures, the humanity, the, uh, the facial expressions, again, the character designs. Cutter is just a badass. He is a badass character. And again, the different applications that they've, they have recognition, which is a, 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 and they give you a glossary in the back. So, so, you know, recognition is first and foremost, an irresistible involuntary male mating urge that draws two genetically ideal elves together. Cool idea. It's used early on. Um, soul names. Um, how can sending be controlled? The wolf riders have it down to an art. They say one can send to many and vice versa. Also two can send to each other privately. Their minds locked in such a way that eavesdropping is impossible. A wolf rider can send to a receiver who is a short distance away, but the strength of their communication decreases as distance increases. Also those who are more adept at sending can transmit over longer distances than those are novices at it. Like young elf children. They created a spectacular world. Elf quest is a phenomenal experience. I don't know what it would cost to get these original magazines. As I've said, they've been reprinted in color. They've been reprinted um, as Marvel Comics. Your uh, ability to collect ElfQuest is easily accessible given all of the different editions. Um, before one of my local stores actually had shut down um, operations about six years ago, they were having a sale and I remember that they had a couple of hardcover uh, ElfQuest reprints. They did spinoffs as well. They've been published by Marvel, by DC, including their Warp Graphics, where they self-published. They have been reprinted um, by all manner of publishers, including Marvel, DC, and Dark Horse. And uh, and and so this, they 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 absolutely um, caught a tremendous uh, wave of success. Their first color editions, and I did see these in Walden's books and in all the bookstores in the middle of the '80s. They had punched through. Um, Starblaze Graphics did four. Uh, maybe five, but I know of four definitely uh, collections of each of the different sagas uh, along the quest. Because again, it's called Elf Quest, and the entire saga was about them fulfilling the quest. And in issue 20, they finally do fulfill the quest. Funny enough, though, 18 was one of my first like gimmick covers. Cutter is in this badass silver armor. It's a bust shot uh, with him drawing out the sword. It's from the waist up, very tight. Cutter had put on this um, elf armor. And they used a silver coat uh, printing technique, basically a, a gimmick. This is in 1983, no less. And it, it's like a shiny coat. Uh, later on, I would do an even shinier version of this when the printer pitches me mirror coat. And that's what Brigade 2, when you look at Seahawks helmet, and it's like a mirror and you can see your reflection in it. But this is the first stage of this. It was a, I mean, ElfQuest was always punching through to new um uh to, to to new and exciting realms and you felt like you knew these two richard and wendy who i have never met 
have, 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 have uh, to my knowledge, never had any personal interaction with whatsoever. Um, I have literally only just, um, just shared uh, this, this artistic experience that they put forth. I, I have enjoyed it as a fan, and, and that, that is my interaction, my complete interaction with this, this property. Now, in issue number two, so again, I bought issue one and two together. Had a good little cliffhanger at the end of issue one, but it was cool. I got issue two. I mean, being able to absorb both of these at the same time was such a thrill. And it says um, uh, that, that they inform everybody. Uh, that, again, they give a glossary. They, they give different um, terms of, of all the stuff that they're experiencing. And they're, they, they, they share with you all of their different, I would call, growing pains along the way. And, and uh, I believe it is in issue four that they tell you that, um, that they're on the move. And, and that they have uh, that they that they will be um, changing addresses and this is where you can mail them and this is where you can reach them and this is where they're going to be um, you know uh, uh, moving to in New York and it was just you felt like you knew these two you absolutely felt as if you were part of the journey with them the entire way um, they did a great job of constantly plugging you into the journey so not only were you following Cutter. And the elves and the trolls and uh, Picknose. Is that the best name ever? Picknose. Um, and you got these basically two covers on every issue. Again, every cover was a um, basically a pinup of a certain character. And Wendy, again, like I said, pop colors. As great as she was with pen and ink, she was even better when she would fully paint herself. Again, in, in, in those Starblaze collections of each of the different installments along the way, four or five books total, um, she colored all those herself, and and they're just they're just brilliant. She is a stunning talent. That as a kid, I was just blown away. So in you know 1984, I'm 15, 16. So I went on this journey, and uh, at at 12, and and you know 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Um, maybe I was turning 17 right there at the end. You know the journey ended. It was formative teen years. And uh, they were constantly talking about merchandising. They'll tell you in these issues, oh, we've got this license. We're going to start doing little pewter statues. We're doing coins. We're doing cards. You just, you were just so, it was such a homegrown experience. But the meat and the potatoes, the 30 pages in issue, this ridiculously awesome art and, um, and the magic and the conflict and the trolls and the magic forests and all the great names. Again, I've read to you all the different names and all the different titles and all the different descriptions, but the art is stunning. She knows how to do great uh, splash pages, story breaks, um, gestures. It, it, if this is your first time look, learning about ElfQuest, look it up. Check it out. See if it interests you. It was the dawn of what I call the second age of fantasy, sword and sorcery comic books. But it's, um, you rooted for these guys. But again, when in the Cutter uh, explanation, when it said he kind of had a hot temper and he cut loose, that's what I liked about him. When he was confronted, he had his knife and he slashed and he gashed. Here's a funny thing. Here's a little, here's how it pertains to Image Comics. Originally, when Jim Lee put together Wildcats uh, and, and was sharing it with all of us, Warblade was not called Warblade. He was called Cutter. I'm not sure if, if there's a Malibu son or one of the early previews that actually has the name Cutter under him, but the Peenies were quick to notify Jim that they would defend that name and that was theirs and that they could not have it. And Jim had to pivot from Cutter to Warblade, which uh, he's been Warblade so long, I'm not sure like that it isn't the better of the two names, but a little Elfquist image, you know, 
because Jim showed up at a meeting and said, oh, I've got to change his name. He's not Cutter anymore. I got a, I got a letter from the Peenies and, and uh, they're going to defend that name and like, you know, put forth that, 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 that is a name that they have and that they own. So there's a little rare warp graphics, ElfQuest, um, image comics, uh, uh, history tied together. So anyway, I don't want to tell you a whole lot about this, except when I tell you it is the adventure of a tribe of elves named the Wolf Riders, led by the enigmatic and bitchin' awesome-looking Cutter, and and his love is Lita, and all the cool things they can do, the sending, the recognition, um, just always great action, always great new worlds, and it just spoke to me on a visceral level. I just love the way they look. I mean, part of why I love it, and I've said it so many times, is I just love how Skywise and Cutter and Strongbow and all of them look and the trolls and, and, and the magic fairies and the, and the sorceresses, um, all that stuff that the art is fantastic. Wendy, I, again, I just cannot praise enough how Wendy Penny, she, she got some, uh, Marvel immediately commissioned her. She did a, a story featuring one of the Inhumans, Triton in one of their black and white magazines, which I always thought was cool. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, I grabbed this Marvel magazine you know, in 1980, 1981, and it's like, Wendy Pini is doing some work for Marvel. She did some stuff along the way. She did some stuff for Epic Magazine, but ElfQuest was her baby. She saw it through to the end. It's been spun off. I think there was like a final chapter put out by Dark Horse maybe seven years ago. Um, they, 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 Other people did some ElfQuest adventures along the way. Again, they, they became an entire publishing arm. Warp Graphics went beyond ElfQuest, but my interest today is turning you on only to the adventures of ElfQuest and the and 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 the the journey that Cutter and Skywise make along these 20 issues. Again, there are reprints, there are collected editions, there are hardcovers. Um check them out. They're fun. They're great. I I was inspired especially by the way that they communicated all along the way. You felt like you were in the apartment with them that you were crafting these pages alongside of her and she would take you through when she injured her hip or when she, you know, got sick. And uh but the book Never failed to arrive and make a tremendous impact. And and as you can hear me kind of uh, gathering these issues in front of me, I just, there is no issue that I won't flip through and not admire because as I've said, um, comics are about graphics and images and these images are fantastic. And I, I do hope that somewhere along the way, somebody does bring ElfQuest. I think it's the greatest untapped fantasy anything that there is out there right now. And given how the entire film world pivoted on Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter after really kind of being dry in terms of fantasy for so many years, I am hopeful that at some point ElfQuest is is something that I can enjoy, whether I'm streaming it at home or going to see it on the big screen. Um, and uh, I will close out because they, they alluded to this final letter in Wendy Peeney in her last issue after completing this from 1978 to 1984. She says, Dear Elf Friends... Well, there you have it, the fulfillment of the quest, somewhat embellished, more personal than expected, but essentially just as we conceived it almost eight years ago. The elves are not guaranteed to live happily after, happily ever after, but at least they have a shot. So many of you have written over years to express likes, dislikes, encouragement that I feel compelled to return the favor. A unique and wonderful relationship exists between you and our, our readers and us, the pens. We have been very proud to print your letters. The vast majority of you have been a joy to read. We've learned about about um, you even as you've gained insights into our way of looking at things. We've helped each other grow. To those 
of you who have expressed feelings of loneliness, alienation, or lack of love and understanding, all I can say is you are far from alone. There are many of you out there who march to different drummers, try to find each other as the elves did. I hope you win your castle. To those who have been inspired by ElfQuest to write and draw their own stories or to express their creativity in any medium, High Ones bless you. The High Ones are characters in the in the book. For me, it was Disney, Johnny Quest, and Morak, Michael Morak. As a kid, I went quietly mad in movie theaters, watching cartoons, never to recover. ElfQuest is the result of that. What wonders will some of you out there bring forth in the years to come? And she continues and says, uh, you know, that's all. Thank you for following this tale of Richards and my love and the friendship. Uh, we're still here. Despite pressures and pains, the quest will never end. Wendy Peen. I'm telling you, what, what Elf Quest is worth checking out. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe it is. I cannot believe after almost two years of avoiding this topic, but these are these giant magazine, bright, brilliant, colored, painted covers. The intricate art inside uh, is always nearby. It's in my studio. As I've said, I've got no less than three full copies of the series. And uh, and I figured today is, is finally the day in keeping to our journey that we're going to continue. Um, what's ahead from us from here is more of the 80s uh, fantasy that, that, that Marvel shows up with Weird World, Warriors of the Shadow Realm, Amethyst comes a-knocking, and there's way more before we get to Joe Mad's Battle Chasers. But we're going to continue intermittently um, dining out on these sword and sorcery uh, fantasy comic book evolution through the years because it's been part of my journey. And uh, so here's the deal. Here is the time that we, I, read um, the, the, the very fun, very fun uh, um, uh, reviews that you guys have, have, have left for me in, 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 on the different platforms. And, uh, I'm always very, very ridiculously honored that you guys, uh, choose to share, uh, any, any positive, um, love for, for what we're doing here. And, uh, and, and you are encouraged, as I have told you time and again, to please, please, uh, leave these positive reviews and, 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 um, stars because they matter. They matter to the platform. They matter to the positioning. And I am so, um, so, so thrilled. This is uh, uh, some of the latest and some of the greatest that you guys have left. Some of them went up just this weekend, it looks like. And so, uh, so I am proud to read for you some of these reviews that you guys leave for me. And I'm so appreciative. Please continue to leave these reviews. They are, they, they, they really move me and they, uh, they inspire me. And, and this says amazing podcast from Guiler. Mo Carlos, G-U-I-L-L-E-R-M-O-C-A-R-L-O-S, Guiler Mo Carlos 132. Fantastic podcast, Rob. You absolutely always bring the comics to life. The depth and breadth of your knowledge is staggering. Your excitement and excitement for the books and hobby that you love is contagious. You are a gem. Keep these podcasts coming. Thank you, Bill. Bill, Guiler Mo Carlos 132. I can I thank you so much for leaving these reviews. Thanks for this one. I appreciate it so much. Uh, Jersey Boy, 7274, also known as Steve Bennett, left me uh, this this past weekend. A wealth of knowledge. After listening to the episode about Moore and Morrison's feud and hearing about Super Folks, I rushed to Amazon to get a copy. Rob, thank you for opening the comic book world in a new way and sharing all the knowledge that you have. I love it, but my wallet, not so much. <laughs> I get it, Steve. And hey, 
Just like super folks, if you have never heard of ElfQuest, but you are tickled by Cutter and the Wolf Riders and the story that I laid out for you today and this experience that I went on it with one of my most adored comic books in my collection. And I, and I do love that for me, it's those 20 issues, those 20 issues in and out. I just absolutely think it's a spectacular journey and I think you will too. I hope that maybe if you're hearing about it for the first time today, it's something new that you can jump in and you can experience and maybe you can dig as much as I I did. Thank you guys for your reviews. Thank you for listening to the show. Thanks for keeping it going. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for the positive feedback. I am on social media at Twitter. I am at Rob Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D with the blue check, the full name on Twitter, on Instagram. I am at Rob Liefeld, another blue check. That's really me. Um, that tells you that I'm not the phony account. Okay. I'm all over Facebook. I'm all over social media. I love talking to you guys. I love the discourse. I love our interactions. I love uh, when we discuss, you know, all things comic books and pop culture. I love hearing from you and hopefully I, I get back to each and every one of you that reaches out. Thank you again for, um, for your support of the show. Continue to spread the word. Subscribe. Thank you so much. Um, this is where you tell me that you're going to take care of yourself and I believe you and that you're going to um, stay out of trouble and, and, and I believe you and what, what you can take to the bank is that we're going to talk again real soon. Thank <laughs> you.